Welcome to episode 23 in Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. Revisions to this series are part of the AIC's continuing celebration of the start of its second decade on the web. If you have not already viewed episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. In this episode, the focus is on chapter 18, the fall or judgment of Babylon, the second and final chapter in Act 3 in the divine drama that forms the second half of Revelation which I explained in episode 17. St. John's perspective at the opening of the chapter is still earth looking toward heaven. The illustration, John dictating Revelation, is a 15th century Italian fresco in the Greek style at Mount Athos, Greece. I have divided chapter 18 into five parts, and the first reading is verses 1 through 3. The illustrations for much of this sequence are the fall of Babylon from the Beatus of Libana, an apocalypse manuscript produced in Spain in the 10th century at the monastery of Santo Domingo de Silos, and a detail from the fall of Babylon from the Bamberg Apocalypse, an early 11th century illuminated manuscript of Revelation, as it was used in full size on page 146 in the AIC Bookstore publication, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. In verse 1, John sees an angel with great authority coming down from heaven. The detail offers something new in Revelation, the statement that the earth, quote, is illuminated with his glory. The Old Testament precedent is the experience of Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34, verses 29 and 30, when the face of Moses shined after being in the Lord's presence. The illustration is Moses receiving the commandments from the Bible of Patrice Leon, a Byzantine manuscript produced around 920 A.D. from the collection of the Vatican Library. The New Testament precedent is the accounts of the Transfiguration at Mount Tabor in Matthew 17, 1 and 2, Mark 9, 2 to 13, and Luke 9, 28 to 36, in which Jesus' garment shined a radiant white. The illustration is a circa 998 A.D. illumination of the Transfiguration from the Gospels of Otto III, produced at the Scriptorium 
at Reichenau Monastery, Reichenau, Germany. In verse 2, the angel announces good news in, quote, a loud voice, a phrase first used in Revelation 1-9 and repeated in nearly every other chapter and which will be used three more times to signify something important. Here the phrase does not disappoint, for the angel cries out, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. The repetition of a half phrase within a sentence is a Hebrew literary device found in Psalm 96.13, which is also about judgment. For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth, and with righteousness to judge the world, and the peoples with his truth. In verse 2b, the great city is labeled dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. An Old Testament precedent for this condemnation is Isaiah's prophecy of historical Babylon's destruction found in Isaiah 13 verses 19 to 22 and it also includes a reference to birds. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled from generation to generation, nor will the Arabian pitch tents there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there, but wild beasts of the desert will lie there and their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches will dwell there, and wild goats will caper there. The hyenas will howl in their citadels, and jackals in their pleasant palaces. Her time is come near, and her days will not be prolonged. Isaiah, of course, wrote about historical Babylon, while St. John writes of its successor, the spiritual Babylon, Rome. The illustration is a colors and gold on parchment illumination of Isaiah from the Siegberg Lectionary, produced at Siegberg, Germany in the second quarter of the 12th century from the collection of the British Library, London, England. The condemnation continues in verse 3 when the angel accuses all the nations of complicity in her excesses, a non-sexual meaning of fornication. The original Greek word from which fornication is derived, pornea, also applied to idolatry as well as harlotry. The angel does not spare the merchants of the earth or the sin of becoming rich through the abundance of her luxury. The second reading from chapter 18 is verses 4 through 8. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, 
I will sit as queen and am no widow, and I will not see sorrow. Therefore her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. Chapter 18, like chapter 17, includes the appearance of several angels. In verse 4, John sees another angel. This second angel offers relief to those who separate themselves from Babylon, inviting those not allied with Babylon to come out of her in order not to suffer the judgment of God upon Babylon, which is described in verse 5. This reflects the traditional Old Testament and New Testament teachings on how to live in a corrupted world without being corrupted by it. An Old Testament precedent is Isaiah 52:11. Depart, depart, go out from her, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. The illustration is an 11th century mosaic of Isaiah from the Neomoni Monastery on the Greek island of Chios. A New Testament precedent is St. Paul's advice to the faithful at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 6, verses 14 to 18. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Belial literally means worthlessness and is a synonym for Satan. The illustration is an unfinished 14th century Russian Orthodox icon of St. Paul by Andrei Rubilev often said to be the most skilled icon painter ever. The angel's advice in verses 5 and 6 to render her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works in the cup which she has mixed, mixed double for her. This form of vengeance is also found in Psalm 137.8, one of the cursing psalms concerning the pleasure which the captured Hebrew people would find the eventual end of Babylon. O daughter of Babylon, wasted with misery, yea, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. The double measure likely reflects St. John's dislike for Rome, especially her persecution of Christians. The arrogance of Babylon, Rome, in St. John's opinion, is reflected in verses 7 and 8, when the angel observes that she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, meaning since she is without repentance, judgment will be swift upon her. Her plagues will come in one day. That her death and mourning and famine will come in one day means a single completed act and does not mean literally 24 hours on a clock. It could be more, and it could be less. This will be clarified in the next reading of verse 10b. The Old Testament allusion to punishment by burning with fire was discussed in episode 22, 
regarding Revelation 17, verse 18b. In verse 8b, we find a paraphrase of one of St. John's favorite titles of God, Pantocrator, Lord God Almighty. John says, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. John used the formal title in Revelation 1-8, and 16-7, discussed respectively in Episode 3, 9, 16, and 21. He will use it again in Revelation 19 and 21-22. Nine out of ten references to Lord God Almighty in the Greek New Testament are found in Revelation. The third reading from chapter 18 is verses 9 and 10. The illustration is another illumination, the ten kings and their armies from the Satsaver Beatus, an 11th century manuscript of Revelation based on a 10th century original in Spain. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. In verses 9 and 10, the angel plays ironically upon the statement in Revelation 17:11 concerning authority for one day, announcing that the riches and privileges of kings will vanish as they watch from a distance, for in one hour your judgment has come. Again, where the judgment comes in one day for the great city Babylon, for them it comes in an even more swift single act. The time reference is spiritual, not literal, and does not mean 60 minutes on a clock. Later in verse 15, we will see these merchants themselves already judged, standing at one side watching the full destruction of Babylon Rome. The fourth reading from chapter 18 is verses 11 through 19. The illustration is again the detail from the fall of Babylon from the Bamberg Apocalypse as used in full size on page 146 in Revelation, an idealist interpretation. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise any more, merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, fine flour and wheat and cattle, and sheep, horses, and chariots, and the bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such Great riches came to nothing. 
every shipmaster, all who travel my ship, sailors and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city, in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Verses 11 to 14 are a litany of loss by the merchants. All their most valuable earthly possessions are gone. This includes their prostitutes, gladiators, and slaves. These are who is meant by bodies and souls of men in verse 13b. It's a warning against placing one's faith exclusively in temporal things of which the true value is transitory. The fruit of your souls long for and things rich and splendid in verse 14. The New Testament precedent is Jesus' homily on wealth in Matthew six nineteen twenty 20a, and 21. Do not lay out for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The illustration, Christ's Pantocrator, is an apse mosaic at the Cathedral of Cefalu, Sicily, circa 1150 A.D., commissioned by Norman King Roger II. It shows Christ with the I.C. and X.C. legend, the Blessed Virgin in blue below center, the Archangel Gabriel at right, and an unidentified angel, likely the Archangel Michael, at the left. In verse 17, shipmasters, sailors, and those who trade their goods by sea are added to the list of those from whom valuable possessions are taken and destroyed. It is likely that this list includes those ship owners who carried the soldiers and sailors of the empire to and from captured lands. In verse 19, their lament is in the typical Hebrew style. The Old Testament precedent is Ezekiel 27.30. They throw ashes on their heads, and weeping and wailing, they lament the judgment that came in one hour. And again, the time reference is not literally 60 minutes. The illustration is an 18th century icon of Ezekiel from the Iconostasis at Kiji Monastery in the Karelia region of northwestern Russia. The fifth and final reading from chapter 18 is verses 20 to 24. The illustration is the millstone, another illumination from the Saint-Saver Beatus, an 11th century manuscript of Revelation based upon an earlier work made in Spain. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon will be thrown down and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpets shall not be heard in you any more. No craftsman of any kind shall be found in you any more. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you any more. 
The light of a lamp will not shine in you any more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you any more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery all the nations were deceived, and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and all who were slain on the earth. In verse 20, the angel says there can now be rejoicing both in heaven and among the persecuted holy apostles and prophets now that God has avenged them. In verse 21 comes the destruction of Babylon by violence as another mighty angel casts the stone like a millstone into the sea, destroying the city and all that is in it. An Old Testament precedent for this manner of death is the prophecy of the death of historical Babylon in Jeremiah 51, 63, and 64. Now it shall be when you have finished reading this book that you shall tie a stone to it and throw it out into the Euphrates, and then you shall say, Thus Babylon shall sink and not rise from the catastrophe that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. The illustration is an 18th century icon of Jeremiah from the Iconostasis at Kiji Monastery in the Karelia region of northwestern Russia. In verses 22 and 23a, the angel reveals the completeness of the destruction with a list of things no longer to be seen or heard in Babylon. The list goes beyond the physical, tangible things that were listed in verses 11 to 17 and include the sound of various musical instruments, the voices of brides and bridegrooms, the sounds of the miller's grindstones, and that of other craftsmen. The angel observes that there will not even be the light of a lamp. Where there was spiritual darkness, now there will be literal darkness. The angel's reference in verse 24 to the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth is likewise foreshadowed in Jeremiah 51, a prophecy of the destruction of historical Babylon. As Babylon has caused the slain of Israel to fall, so at Babylon the slain of all the earth shall fall. Jeremiah 51 verse 49 Thank you for joining me for episode 23. Next time in episode 24, John is back in heaven, and we will start our discussion of chapter 19 with verses 1 to 10. Chapter 19 is the first of two chapters that are act 4 in the divine drama that forms the second half of Revelation. Other AIC resources for topics discussed in this episode include from the AIC Bookstore Publications in the companion book to this series, Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. Chapter 18 includes commentary on the text plus a full-size high-resolution illumination and tempera and gold on parchment of the fall of Babylon from the Bamberg Apocalypse as used on page 146, and Angel with Millstone on page 150. The book includes 51 illustrations from the Bamberg Apocalypse. My primer on numerology and revelation is found on pages 7 to 11. From the writing prophets of the Old Testament of the major prophets mentioned in part 2, Jeremiah is the subject of chapter 2, pages 21 to 28, and Daniel of chapter 4, 
pages 37 to 58, from Layman's Lexicon. There are several words and phrases of relevance. Almighty, angels slash archangels, fire slash cleansing fire, judgment, numerology, pantocrator, and prophet slash prophecy. From the prayer book Psalter, history text and commentary, Psalm 137, a psalm of David, and one of the cursing or imprecatory psalms is discussed on pages 314 to 315. The cursing psalms are listed and explained in the introduction on pages small letters 9-10. The key to accessing everything produced by the Anglican Internet Church is available at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net where we've made it easier for you to learn about Christian education, doctrine, worship, and study using your preferred way of learning. You can watch our Bible study, Christian education, and seasonal video series using the links on either the digital library or Bible study pages. If you prefer listening, you can listen to the podcast versions of any of our videos using the links on the podcast archive page or to our podcast homilies for all the Sundays in the 1928 Book of Common Prayer using the links on the podcast homilies page. If you prefer written works, you can access any of the 17 AIC bookstore publications, all but one available in both paperback and Kindle editions, using the virtual bookstore link at the bottom of the homepage, or directly using my Amazon Author Central page, https colon right slash right slash www.amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Everything after dot com must be in lowercase letters. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog page at www Anglican Internet Church accessible through the Father Ron's blog tab at the top or the bottom of any page on the site. By clicking the Follow Anglican Internet Church legend, you'll be invited to register your email address and receive notice of all new postings. Please be assured that we do not share subscriber information with any other organization, and you can ask for the removal of your address at any time. Until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Glory be to God for all things. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website and make use of its resources at www.anglicaninternetchurch.net.